0: Yo, Ryan Saff, your host, back again, another episode of the Talk and Play blair cast. Really appreciate you being here. I decided to forego last week's episode because Kendra Lamar dropped. <laughs> and I want to give myself some time to like digest it and process everything that's going on with that album. We'll be talking about it later on in the playlist. You'll be hearing some of my favorite tracks from the album throughout the episode. So keep your ears open and your motherfucking speakers up because we jamming this episode uh, but as far as the regular structure of the show goes you know got the headlines a lot of jail talk going on in the headlines it's unfortunate but we got to cover it a lot of RIPs as well unfortunately we'll talk about it but then you know we also got some congratulations to kind of make things not so grim and then after that game chat talking about Couple game delays, you know, whatever's going on in the gaming news. I got some takeaways, some things written down. Uh, then we finally get into the playlist so I can talk to y'all about this Kendrick Lamar album. I'm also going to discuss Jack Harlow's album with you real quick because that also dropped and I didn't get a chance to share my thoughts. And then we close things out with the watch list. I got to see Doctor Strange finally, tell y'all how I felt about that as well as my current progress with Atlanta on fx so yeah quick summary of the blurred cast today um i'm gonna play my intro music real quick and then we're gonna jump right into these rico field headlines (laughs) starting with the ysl which stands for young slime life or leaders. I didn't. Damn it. <laughs> I thought I looked that up. But uh, yeah, yeah it's not you, St. Laurent. YSL is Young Thug's um, record label and company and business. Apparently, the feds have it on good authority that those boys are actually a RICO organization. Um, Young Thug and Gunner are two of 28 YSL members that have been indicted. On 56 counts of Rico charges You should know what's going on With this story by now It's been pretty much everywhere Very very big in hip hop They're using Young Thug's lyrics To corroborate their accusations So that's going to be interesting Because if you know anything About Young Thug and his music Some questionable things in there Some things in there That could definitely Um allude to or confirm some suspicions that the feds may have of him in terms of these alleged RICO charges (laughs) so I don't know we'll see what's going on with that when more information drops but currently no bail for dog he's still in there you know what I'm saying I don't know he's not serving no time he's just being held for the trial I guess I don't know He's in jail. They're not giving him a bail. The judge said he's a flight risk, so he gotta sit in there. Uh, Gunner just turned himself in recently because they had to go pick young thug up from the house. They went and arrested him and then did some searches. They found shit ton of drugs in the crib. They found shit ton of guns in the crib. Added them charges on to it. Like, that ain't (laughs) that ain't P. But, uh, Gunner, on the other hand you know he was just named in the indictment so he was not arrested promptly he actually got to turn himself in so Gunnar is now behind bars as well I think he's awaiting a bail hearing we'll find out more later um and then Lil' passed away rest in peace to him that was sad because this news came like literally within a few days of the whole YSL Rico indictment and I don't know why. So they're going through a lot. They're going through a lot. I don't understand the street life. I'm not in the streets. I don't understand, you know, millionaires, very successful black men in their field of uh, entertainment, you know, still deciding to allegedly be a part of activity like that. But I guess it's not for me to understand. All I could say at this point is. You know, healing energy, <laughs> like Charlemagne would say, healing energy to everybody involved. Just well wishes because Rico charges; they serious. Feds don't come for you unless they they know. <laughs> they don't come for you unless they have concrete evidence that's going to put you away. Rico is serious. Costs a lot of money to uh, make these charges stick. Costs a lot of money to investigate these charges. So they don't half step when it comes to that. I guess it's just. Really unfortunate because like a week or so before these Rico charges dropped, like Young Thug's baby mom or one of his baby moms got killed in like an altercation. So now we got some black kids that are not going to have either one of their parents losing one to death and one to the legal system, like healing energy to everybody involved. Cause that shit is sad. Casanova another rapper who's also dealing with Rico charges he just pled guilty to his according to you know the documents and everything he's looking at five to sixty years when he gets sentenced in December like I said don't know what's going on with these rich rappers still partaking in the street life it's not for me to understand I'm not a part of the street life it's just unfortunate Healing energy to their brother as well Because again Rico charges Uh, Outside of that Domestic violence at the crib Rod Wave has been accused of choking His baby mama until she couldn't breathe While their kids was in the house This is according to some paperwork uh, Via an arrest That was obviously made After baby mama called The goddamn laws on Rod Wave I don't get it What Pushed you that far With your baby mama to choke out It's It's uh I don't know I don't have a baby mama so I guess I can't really speak to it but I don't know I don't, I don't think I would do that It's just me but Whatever right way situation is with his baby mama And why that transpired Healing energy because Wow same thing Roger Arundo baby mama Just got a protective order From the judge after domestic Um altercation between them two which led to him actually pulling a gun out on her and threatening to kill her in front of their kids wild as fuck like I don't know what's going on this <laughs> I don't like the way this episode started <laughs> it's too much too much uh, legal system too much motherfucking drug charges too much niggas putting their hands on women in front of their kids like healing energy to everybody involved it's the, this is crazy. He pulled the gun out in front of their kids and threatened to kill this baby mama. And I read the little article or whatever that was breaking down what happened. Apparently, him and his child, I'm talking about Rajon Rondo and their child, was playing video games or whatever. Mom comes in, being a mom, you need to clean up X Y and Z. Instead of sitting up here playing these games with your daddy, put that on pause. You can come back to that. You need to be cleaning this up right now, whatever. Rajan flipped. He lost his shit behind that. Apparently, he threw the game console around the room and was, you know, cussing her ass out and just <laughs> losing it. And then it led to him being like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to kill your ass. Pull the gun out. Kids was very, very scared this is according to what i read in these reports and uh yeah police got called clearly sad hopefully we can do better because goddamn what's going on i don't like it i don't like it and this all black men committing these issues and causing these problems at the crib and dealing with the law like I don't want this, especially after what's going on right now, motherfucking uh, Buffalo, New York, the motherfucking racist shooter that just ran up through the grocery store and shot all of those black people. Like, I don't want, I don't want this for us. It's crazy, bro. What the fuck? And RIP to all of those black people that lost their lives in that Buffalo shooting or whatever. Like, I know the little white boy, he shot up some white people as well, but from the video i saw he definitely was not uh aiming at those people that was just some nerves he was scared and he pulled the trigger on the wrong folks because he's there's a video of him running through the store or whatever and he pulls up on a white person or whatever the white person screams and he tells the man oh i'm sorry didn't mean to point this at you and he runs by him finds some black people and start spraying i'm like what is going on Definitely racially motivated. I'm glad, you know, Biden and his administration is not backing down from the fact that that's what this was. It's an act of domestic terrorism via a racist who clearly has an issue with black people in particular because. There's been footage and all kind of evidence via Instagram and Twitter that has come out that pretty much says that this boy been planning this shit for quite some time. He executed his plan. And there's pretty much evidence showing that he was going to do it again if he didn't get caught. Like he was planning another attack. So that's just unfortunate, sad. I'm tired of talking about this already. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really deal with um, death and Racism and the legal penalties that fall on the black community I hate that shit Like, I want us to just do well and live good <laughs> We did get a win though recently Um I don't know if y'all see the video But the white dude that was on the plane antagonizing Mike Tyson To the point where Mike Tyson had put hands on him Yeah, the judge in that case They're not charging Mike Tyson with nothing They saw the video just like we did And it was like nah you deserve that ass whooping. I'm letting it go. If y'all want to sue each other individually in civil court, y'all can do that. But as far as me and criminal court, Mike ain't do nothing wrong. He was protecting himself. And I fuck with that. I wish I knew this judge's name so that I could thank him via this podcast <laughs> because, yes, black people need a win, especially when it comes to the legal system. I'm glad that this wasn't a situation that turned ugly for Mike Tyson because he's black and we know what he's capable of. I'm so glad that this white man antagonized the fuck out of him and showed that your white privilege can't necessarily protect you from everything. You caught on camera acting crazy and a black person got to do something to calm you down, it might not go the way you think it's going to go when the judge look back at the footage and be like, I think this black person acted well within the rights of their um, natural state of mind and (laughs) handled the situation as I would. Like (laughs) It's not as sweet out here for you people. (laughs) The bad white people, by the way, I'm not talking to the good white people. The good white people, y'all know what time it is, I fuck with y'all. The bad white people, stop fucking playing on our top. (laughs) Because if the camera phones say you deserved it, we might have a chance when the judge look back at it as well. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Outside of that, I just want to give a quick RRP to Kevin Samuels. Um I was not, you know, a devout follower of brother Samuel. <laughs> like I'm seeing online all of these men come out as, you know, his followers and his flock of niggas that want to do better. I just wasn't one of those (laughs) i popped in on a few of kevin samuel's live before just because i like to laugh um even though his content for the most part from what i've seen in the way was pretty (laughs) degrading and um ruffled a lot of feathers as far as women is concerned i got a couple chuckles out of it and then some of the shit wasn't all that bad he went viral a lot for his commentary when it came to relationships and you know black women and you know family values and all that shit like that but on the flip side he also every once in a while he spit some like real shit that kind of made sense so R.I.P. to that brother um, I don't know how I feel about everybody taking their liberties right now to discuss the terrible things that they hated about this man but that's y'all business the main reason I'm bringing up this uh Kevin Samuels thing is to one pay my respects because people well a person died and you know That's just the right thing to do, in my opinion. But then also, you niggas with these tattoos, these Kevin Samuel tattoos, it's getting out of hand. It's getting weird. It's giving. I didn't grow up with the father and I found one in him and I don't know how to feel about it. (laughs) Like I'm just not on the train as far as the Kevin Samuels love goes. Don't hate the man. Don't got nothing against him. But the tattoos That's that's a little weird I think Kevin Samuels just recently came into our awareness Maybe what, two, three years ago I don't know how long he's been a social media um, Influencer And life coach And whatever else his titles are How long he's been doing the YouTube thing How long he's been doing the Instagram Live thing All I know is The tattoos Some of them look like Mike Epps (laughs) Some of them look like Kevin Samuels But then it's like why do you have Kevin Tatted it on you when I'm pretty sure there was some links in his bio to where you could have bought some merch. Like do what you want with your body. That's your business. I'm just saying, if you wanted to support, show your love, you know, could have hit one of them links, bought a T-shirt, got you a mug, a day planner or something like you went for permanent ink on your permanent skin. I don't. I don't, um, I don't comprehend, (laughs) but uh, R.I.P. to Kevin Samuels, his passing was unfortunate. Um, He actually made an appearance on this week's or this past week's episode of Atlanta. I'll talk about that later in the watch list because it was actually a pretty dope episode, but shout out to him. And then. Shout out to T Pain as well. My dog is opening a new restaurant. He took to Instagram to make a video about receiving his keys and talking about, you know, how scared he is about this new business venture, but, you know, being excited about it nonetheless because I believe somebody in his family, I think his parents owned the restaurant at one point in time when he was a kid and he kind of wanted to, you know, open his own restaurant kind of paying homage to his parents and everything that having that restaurant instilled to him as far as values are concerned so that's dope i'm glad he was being transparent about being nervous and scared about it because i feel like owning a restaurant is a nerve-wracking kind of situation it is something that would make you like oh shit, this is a big undertaking it's my first one i don't really know what i'm doing we don't see black men necessarily express themselves like that when it comes to these type of situations. Everybody like to act like they got their shit together all the time and <laughs> they are moving in the weights as to where they're not nervous or scared about the outcome of these risks that they're taking in the business world. T Pain is like, man, fuck that. Y'all gonna follow me every step of the way. Y'all gonna see the ups and the downs and I'm documenting this restaurant journey from a building with a dream to an actually fully functioning restaurant and i fuck with that because t-pain he been out here the music's still coming he's on tour um i believe he's gonna be here i'm going to see him on tour in like two weeks or so He got a show can't wait to check that out um nappy boy gaming is really dope i really enjoy watching t-pain's twitch streams and you know the what two maybe three gamers he has signed to his nappy boy gaming imprint and the new music has been hitting as well so shout out to t-pain happy for him you know what i'm saying that's florida right there motherfucker, tallahassee pain <laughs> so i definitely had to shout that out and then to close out the headlines the billboard music awards happened i did not get an opportunity to watch the live stream of the billboard music awards um I went back on YouTube, what yesterday, and watched a few of the performances, namely Travis Scott's, because I want to hear this new song that he premiered. I think I think it's it's good. Utopia is gonna be a dope album. Can't wait for him to finally drop that shit. Where yeah, Travis? Come on, come on. I know you're still dealing with the Astro World shit or whatever, and you know take care of that because even though I don't blame Travis Scott for the incident you know people still lost their lives and you know he has to be respectful of that and make sure those families get taken care of but um yeah the music sounded dope um his performance was pretty cool Looked like he was in the motherfucking uh <laughs> antarctica or something some kind of polar ice caps but cool performance Meg performed Plan B, and then she did Sweetest Pie. I wanted Dua Lipa to go on stage with her and perform the record, but I don't think Dua Lipa went to the Billboard Music Awards. So, Megan was up there by herself. Well, her and her dancers. But um, it was a dope performance. I caught Lotto's performance as well. Um, I seen Doja Cat's acceptance speech for her awards. I know that a lot of people, especially Summer Walker's boyfriend, had a lot to say about Doja Cat winning awards for R&B. But the truth of the matter is, Doja Cat makes R&B music as well. Is that her primary genre? No, it is not. At this point, she is floating in between a pop star and a rapper. But I listened to the music. The girl got R&B songs. And on top of that, this is Billboard. They recognize the artist for their musical contributions to the Billboard charts. If I'm not mistaken, songs like Say So and Need to Know and You Write with The Weeknd, those are like some of her biggest records. They have been on the charts since they came out and they kind of lend to R&B sound. So it kind of makes sense. Like, if this is the Billboard Music Awards and they're honoring their attendees, these artists for their contributions to the Billboard charts and the highest charting records from these artists, namely Doja Cat, are R&B records. And of course, it would just kind of make sense that she's rewarded or awarded <laughs> for her contributions because. It just is what it is. If her pop music and her rap music was bigger, then, you know, maybe she would have won other categories, but she still went up there and she thanked everybody who was nominated as well. She said SZA deserved the award as well. Summer Walker deserved the award as well. The weekend deserved the award. And I agree. So I'm glad she said that. And, um, it is what it is. Like we just have to come to the conclusion or just be, okay or understand the fact that these artists are not in a box anymore and they make music across multiple genres this time r&b is the genre that doja cat shined in the most in the eyes of the billboard so she won that shit but outside of that also Shout out to motherfucking Mary J. Blige. I see her acceptance speech. She was presented by none other than the legendary Janet Jackson, the Billboard Icon Award, which is probably the most prestigious award you can win from Billboard at this point, like the Icon Award. That's a big deal. Very, very few artists can say that they have that award. And everybody that does have that award, they are definitely icons in the music industry. It was definitely time for Mary J to win hers. Her speech was amazing. She looked amazing. (laughs) And it was really dope that Janet Jackson was the one that came up there and presented the award to her. One legend to another. That's dope. But that's it though. Um shout out to everybody that won, especially everybody black. Y'all know I root for everybody black. Um just like Issa Rae, shout out to Issa Rae. <laughs> uh yeah, all the winners. I heard Drake won a bunch of awards. I think he might have been the male artist that received the most awards that night. Don't quote me on that. I just think I saw that headline somewhere. <laughs> Either way, Shout out to the Billboard Music Awards For, you know, rewarding artists For their music Because Other award shows, you know They doing other stuff behind the scenes <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, it For the headlines, let's go ahead and slide Over to the game chat Who out here is passionate as us I'm the one they trust We the ones that's making a big fuss New school shit, I give you money for the bus And a letter grade 2, I'm thinking C plus And that's for us Big A-listers, pull up in that big shit. You know the paint drippers. I got a baddie and another Betty came with her. There must be something going on. It's got my name slicker. So for this episode's game chat, uh Breath of the Wild 2 has been delayed. That is going to hurt somebody's feelings, not necessarily mine. <laughs> um I still have not beaten the first Breath of the Wild. Um, I was excited to hear Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out just because Breath of the Wild 1 is so good. But like I said, haven't even finished the first one. So, yeah. But despite the delays, Nintendo is still pushing strong. They have a list of highly anticipated games supposedly scheduled to release throughout the rest of 2022. Mario Strikers, a new Fire Emblems game coming to the series. Xenoblade 3 is still scheduled to drop Splatoon 3. Scarlet and Violet, you know, the new entries into the Pokemon series is coming in a uh, winner. Bayonetta still has a 2022 release date, even though the official day has not been released. And then they just had the Indie World Showcase showcasing a bunch of indie games coming to the platform as well. Like Nintendo's not going to be lacking. So, yes, <laughs> Breath of the Wild 2 has been delayed, but. We got a lot more to look forward to as far as Nintendo is concerned for their 2022 release schedule. Uh, Bethesda, on the other hand, has delayed Starfield and Redfall to the first half of 2023. Those games are highly anticipated as Xbox exclusives. They were pretty much the two games that Xbox was or Xbox players were hyped for or whatever. But they got pushed back. So I don't know. Xbox is not really dropping nothing exclusive this year after these delays. So we'll see how they looking in 2023 or as we get closer to the holiday season, because things could definitely change once those holiday dollars start rolling. You know, Black Friday and all that shit. <laughs> Something I did see in Xbox news that I was like, oh, this might be dope. Kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Um, Xbox is reportedly working on a streaming stick that is supposedly going to be kind of similar to like the Amazon Fire Stick, but be a affordable access point to the Xbox cloud gaming service, which basically means, you know, you'll be able to plug that stick in and play Xbox cloud gaming kind of like how Stadia does. But, you know xbox and the reason that piqued my interest is because although i don't participate in the console wars i have nothing against xbox i do have a playstation and a switch that are backlogged with tons of games that i still need to play so i don't have time to really jump into xbox so buying an xbox console is not necessarily on my list of things to do but this is dope to me because I would be interested in owning one of these Xbox cloud gaming streaming sticks or whatever, just so I can have access to the Xbox cloud gaming service and play whatever games I'm missing out that I can't get on PlayStation or Nintendo switch. Like I don't necessarily need a console. I don't think I would have enough time to divide up between the three, but this particular streaming stick or whatever at least would be portable so when i'm on the road i could leave my playstation maybe bring my switch along because that's just fun to have on like car trips and plane trips or whatever but when i get to the room plug my streaming stick up you know what i'm saying get some xbox gaming going on on the road like i see use for it in my life is what i'm saying i would enjoy this so i don't know i'm gonna keep my eye out on that news or whatever but i just thought that was dope because currently this is what stadia is trying to do but not necessarily succeeding i feel like especially with the acquisitions that xbox has been making not only in the gaming space but in tech as well they could probably pull this off a lot better than um, google did with stadia and bring us a quality streaming stick that's not gonna have any like terrible issues because i mean it's cloud gaming there will be issues you have to rely strictly and solely on internet connection for these games to be enjoyable lag will probably be kind of crazy these streaming sticks won't necessarily have the processors in them to make sure everything runs smoothly and efficiently so Obviously, there are going to be issues, but I'm still, you know, interested. (laughs) I think this will make a great addition to my um, gaming. I don't know. Portfolio catalog. (laughs) I don't know. I think it'll make a good addition to my console collections. And then when I get some more free time, I, will you know, bust down on an Xbox and just have all three of the big systems. I'm down for that. (laughs) But just some interesting news I came across because I thought that was uh, pretty dope. As far as the games I'm currently playing Overwatch, there is an event coming up, another remix event, basically where they have took some of the most popular skins from some of these characters and added a new colorway for them, just basically giving us more content to kind of hold us until Overwatch 2 finally drops and goes live for console players and everybody else to enjoy. So, Looking forward to that. There's some skins that look good in these different color changes. Definitely interested in copping those and, you know, spending all my in-game credits to make sure my shit look good because I'm not spending real money on this. Remember, I told you Overwatch has been very, very good at that, making sure you can play the game. Without having to deal with microtransactions, you can win in-game credits to buy all the skins and emotes and sprays that you want. So (laughs) that's what I'm going to be doing. I got tons of in-game credits saved up. When these skins drop, I'm purchasing (laughs) Uh, as far as my comp record is concerned. I'm trying to climb out of silver. (laughs) That's the goal right now. It hasn't been going like super well. I'm closer to goal than I was last season. So hopefully I can, you know, build up a little win streak and get my tank and support roles into goal where they truly belong. Well, I actually belong higher than that, but I'll settle for goal for now because I solo, you know, I solo queue all of these uh, comp games. I don't. Rally my friends up like I should and try to get them to help me <laughs> carry into a, a newer I don't know comp level. But I'm at silver with motherfucking tank, silver and support and bronze and damage. And we already know the wait times for damage. Ridiculous. I don't care to wait so I can like try to advance in that ranking. It just is what it is. Same thing over on Apex. I believe I'm still bronze on um, motherfucking arenas um, ranked and trios ranked. And that's mostly because the ranked season restarted some time ago. And I haven't really been putting as much time into it as I normally would because I've been enjoying Newcastle. Newcastle. Like we talked about on the last episode is the newest character that has come to Apex. His kit is dope. Um, it's been very, very helpful in arenas, even more helpful in the Battle Royale space. Like I think I'm gonna end up manning Newcastle like that. It's a black character like that. It's a black male character at that. I like that his kit is heavily supportive of the team because I'm a team player. And like I said, I solo queue a lot of these games when I don't have my friends like let's play let's play so if anything I don't want to be the nigga that's running around telling everybody what to do and where to shoot at I'd rather just play a support role and try to make sure my team enjoys the game we're playing so that is my I guess update <laughs> on my standings in Apex and Overwatch uh, also I've seen some interesting news Apex has hit two billion dollars netted since its uh launch in february 2019 yeah it's only been three years since apex has been out and over those three years they have hit two billion in um net as far as sales are concerned which is dope because apex has been free to play from day 1. So, these 2 billion dollars are literally coming from people buying the battle pass and spending their money on skins and shit like that. I'm fine with that. I'm not necessarily into microtransactions, but I feel like if the game is going to be free to play, you don't have to pay to download it, you don't have to pay to join in on the fun in any way. Like, I don't mind people, you know, throwing their microtransactions in there trying to get a little off of their uh product so that they can continue to deliver because Apex is a fun fucking game. So, <laughs> shout out to the Apex team because that's dope. That is the end of the game chat though. Let's go ahead, shut this down and move over into the playlist so we can finally talk. Kendrick. Push these niggas off me like Push these bitches off me like who? Push these niggas off me like Pushing the snakes, and pushing the fakes, and pushing them all like, push no off me like who? Pushing them all off me like who? You know what, though? Before we talk Kendrick, um, (laughs) Lamar, Mr. Morale, and the Big Steppers, let's talk, um, Jack Harlow's new album entitled, Is It Come Home? The Kids Miss You. Yes, that is the title. Now, (laughs) I seen a lot of criticism of Jack Harlow's new album on the internet. I seen a lot of people saying the album was boring and he <laughs> don't got no hits on it. And overall, they were just not impressed. They were actually let down at this album. Me on the other hand, I actually enjoyed the album. I thought it was a good body of work. Now I can actually see <laughs> people's point of view on it. And I, Definitely don't feel like this album is, I guess, giving what it needs to give as far as the time period is concerned. Basically, motherfuckers is about to be outside again. You know what I'm saying? Like we should be talking more about COVID, but at this point in time, it's a thing in the past. So everybody, mass mandates are completely out of the window. You know what I'm saying? They're not hyping up the booster shots like they once were anymore. Like. All people care about is going back outside, getting back to some quote-unquote sense of normalcy, and this album does not necessarily support that. <laughs> would have been a good, you know, stay at home and kind of just vibe, digest quarantine album. Sure, I could see that. I actually think this album would have fared better, you know, criticism-wise, if it would have come out in the winter time. Actually, like. <laughs> Not at a time where we are live streaming Coachella and preparing for Rolling Loud Miami and everybody is announcing tours and, you know, going out into the world to these clubs and to these venues and like just rocking out like this album was really tame. It didn't really support any kind of um, turn up, if you will. (laughs) So I could definitely see why people felt like the album was boring. It just overall wasn't feeling it from Jack Harlow. Me, though, I thought the music was good. Like, I don't need Jack Harlow to be, you know, a turn up artist. I do understand that as a white rapper and his style of rap, he kind of does. Um, lend very much to the college kid crowd and those were the ones that i saw mostly critiquing the album saying it was boring and (laughs) it didn't have any hits on it or anything like that but at the same time like even if i feel like that i could also appreciate the fact that there's good music on here it's more like lo-fi rap (laughs) to me like there's a lot of beats on there that i'm like You know, if this was on a lo-fi playlist on YouTube, shit would just fit in just perfect. (laughs) Like, the beats on this album were kind of quirky in a sense. Like, sonically, I did not expect to hear some of the sounds that I heard in this album. I did not expect the beats to be so tame. And Jack to just come on there rapping his cool white boy um, (laughs) swag rap or whatever you want to call it. And just completely making songs you could chill to and not necessarily turn up to um definitely could hear (laughs) like if this was an art gallery showing at a pwi (laughs) i could definitely hear them playing jack harlow real low in the back especially from this album like a lot of the music on there was tame and it just really gave him the space to showcase his lyrical ability And gave him the space to, you know, give these nods and appreciation moments to, like, early 2000s pop, which is how we kind of get the first class record, which samples Fergie. And we see Justin Timberlake featured on this project. Pharrell has some production, like... There's a lot to this album that I feel like is Jack just continuing to try to differentiate himself from the Eminem sons and the MGKs of the white rapper space. Like he wants to be a cool swag white boy rapper and it translates, at least for me on this album. Like I was listening to it and by the time the album got to. Churchill Downs, which features Drake. I was like, you know, <laughs> if Drake was not half black, his albums would sound a lot like what Jack Harlow just did with Come Home, The Kids Miss You. <laughs> like, if Drake was a white rapper, if he leaned more into his white side when presenting his music, I feel like he would sound a lot like Jack Harlow. So I was not, you know, offended by this album at all. As a Drake fan, I was like, you know, I've heard this before. It just had a little bit more nigga to it because (laughs) Drake is half black. But I don't know. Overall, it's a good project. I don't agree with people that is um, trash. (laughs) Uh, Maybe a little boring, but I wasn't expecting to turn up to this anyway. Like Jack Harlow is in a specific area in terms of music when it comes to me. Like, I don't put him with the little babies and the uh, Uzi Verts, and uh, you know, he doesn't make any music like the girls make the Nickys and uh, Dojas, Cardi's. He doesn't make those kind of musical <laughs> declarations or do anything in those realms of music. But overall, I feel like the project was solid, bro. Like, I'm looking at the track listing um i think young harleazy was probably my favorite off of this first class obviously it's the single that shit was doing good i like to do a leap of record i like movie star with pharrell little secret is a dope like little r b lo-fi vibe <laughs> um parent trap of course <laughs> churchill downs with drake easily the best song on the project um parent trap featuring justin tim Lake. that shit was dope you know Nail Tech is on here as well. That's Jack rapping, doing his thing. Like, I enjoyed the project. It's not <laughs> as bad as uh, the bandwagon haters on social media made it out to be. Um, overall, I could see why they felt that way, though. It is a stark contrast to the project that came out before this one. That one had a lot of turn up on. It had a lot of pregame music, had a lot of um, white college party music, This one is Jack Harlow kind of falling into his artistry a little bit, maybe taking some cues from Drake, incorporating some smooth guy R&B type vibes into the motherfucking album and just giving us a project that will be a standalone in Jack's catalog. So that's my opinion on it. I'm satisfied with it. Didn't hate it like everybody else. But let's move on to motherfucking Mr. Moran and the Big Stepper because Kendrick Kendrick Lamar did his motherfucking thing with this project. Now also seeing the criticisms there's no hits on here. That's false. I could easily see um, N95 being a hit. I could easily see Purple Hearts being a single Silent Hill Savior like even Mr. Morale could possibly take a spin as a single. Like, there's definitely some hits on this album. It's just, like I said, it's time to go back outside. People are like really, really off the whole COVID wave. They just want to go out and party and relive those years that COVID 19 took away from us and get all our fun back. So, I don't think this is the project that people would necessarily. Looking for it from Kendrick. But Kendrick has never been a turn up party kind of rapper anyway. Like he always come with these amazing bodies of work. That have depth and a lot of meaning to him. He sneak a few little hits in there. Just so radio can have something to play. And y'all niggas can ride around. Or pregame too. But he's never been a Drake. Where it's like a lot of the music can be easily hit records on the radio. And climbing up the charts and shit. He's always been... A complete, solid body of work type of rapper where all of the songs play off one another. They all fit very well. They're all sequenced well on this project. That's probably the thing that I like the most about Mr. Morale and the Big Stepper is if you listen to it from top to bottom, you do get a sense of storytelling and a sense of sequencing that will lead to feeling like Kendrick intentionally placed these songs the way he did to move your mind with his and convey a certain message. Like I really appreciate that. The overall arcing themes that I caught in this album, because it hasn't been a week yet since it's been out. And honestly, I'm still processing it. I'm still listening to it every day from top to bottom, trying to catch all of the little things that I may have missed, trying to understand what he means by some of the things that he's saying and these songs that he's created. But from what I can tell, <laughs> It sounds like Kendrick got beef with a lot of people, <laughs> mostly people who try to talk down from like a moral high ground on people who are just out here trying to figure out life just like everybody else is. He got issues with the niggas who still <laughs> stepping in the streets as if they don't have family back home that they have to come home to and that are counting on them and depending on them to just be in their lives. It sounds like he got beef with uh hypocritical black people, most uh, namely or most specifically like the religion and church and everything and uh fake activists he <laughs> definitely has issue with that he was calling out all kind of bullshit that was going on in his five year stint of you know no music or no project and just all the social changes that have been happening and it also sound like he got a lot of beef with himself like there's Plenty of moments on this album where he admits to infidelity and, you know, being out on the road, cheating on his uh, now fiance and how (laughs) she forgave him on certain accounts, but is still expecting him to do better and how that's been weighing on them. There's a point in time where Kendrick admits on the album that he feel like he might have had a sex addiction at some point, and that's what kept him out in the streets cheating, but he's also admitted on the project that he's been in therapy and trying to remove some of the generational bullshit that was passed down to him through his family and really ground himself in the now of things and in the today of who he is as a person and the things he has to accomplish so that his family can be proud and he can move his legacy forward in a positive light. Like really, really deep introspective things happening on this album the intro track alone entitled united in grief is a nod to the way people have been taught to grieve a nod to the way people are grieving outside of the way they've been taught to grieve and just a nod to the fact that Kendra grieves different than most people as we all do like nobody really grieves the same we could try to but that's like not necessarily possible. Everybody has a different connection to certain people or things that they lose. And when grief hits you, you know what I'm saying? It's no telling how you're gonna respond to it, it's no telling how you're gonna process and deal with it. I really like that he kept reiterating in his uh in this particular song, I grieve different, because we need to acknowledge that and accept that about people. Like grief is not gonna look the same on anybody. And we need to kind of stop forcing people to grieve in the way we want them to so that they can continue to move on and serve us in the way that we want them to. Speaking to you, corporate America, who like to give you a dare to a bereavement and spec your ass to be right back to work. Speaking to you, social media, you're always trying to tell somebody how they need to feel and think about certain things. We're different. I grieve different. Child of Kendrick (laughs) N95 was another good one Kendrick actually released the video for that I want to say maybe like Two or three days ago It was like The album came out You know on a Friday N95 video was out By like Sunday or Monday I believe But The video was dope There's a scene Where he is literally Floating over some waves It looked You know Kind of You know cgi a little bit But I got the message behind it The intent Uh, He was like floating over a body of water with his hands stretched out and his legs crossed, same way Jesus was nailed to the cross, like almost kind of saying, I'm going to, you know, give myself, lay myself on the sword in this project so that our people can have the conversations needed to. Begin to heal and move forward from all the trauma that we've been passing down in our culture and from all the trauma we've been receiving from our oppressors. Kendrick, I see you (laughs) because that this is dope. (laughs) And I really like the N95 record. I caught that, you know. N95 is also like a reference to those N95 masks that they told us were the official masks to uh, stop COVID from entering your system and shit like that. And what made me catch that was when he um, started the record saying you back outside, but uh, they still lied. They as in the government because... Even if you were N95 match, you could still get COVID. So, yes, he is right. They lied to us about certain things dealing with this pandemic or they misinformed us based on their um, constantly evolving uh, research on COVID-19. But, you know, we back outside and N95 is dope. worldwide stepper is where we see Kodak come in, which I have to give a nod to that as well. Florida got a W for that Kodak was all up and through this album he had different um, sections in the album where he would either do an interlude or give some kind of monologue and then he actually featured on one of the songs which we'll talk about in a second but I just thought that was dope because I seen the conversation happening online. People were not necessarily feeling that Kodak was on this album. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Kodak, you know what I'm saying? That's a problematic nigga, right? <laughs> like, he's young. He's still growing and trying to understand himself and what this life is for him. But, you know, he's had some very, very problematic instances and people have not forgotten about that. They were disappointed that Kendrick would give him a platform to continue to thrive and it, you know, even stand next to him, just <laughs> almost like, you know, some kind of support or solidarity. But I think that was the point. Like Kendrick made a point in the uh, heart part five video, which definitely dope to uh, say to all of us that, you know, what I'm saying he is all of us and we're all of him like. He is no one special person on no moral high ground or whatever. Like he got his flaws too. <laughs> and I really appreciated that. Since we own the Heart Part 5 video, fire. Them deep fakes, that was brilliant. The Nipsey verse and the deep fake for Nipsey, brilliant. Um Kobe, Jesse, um Kanye, OJ, like Will Smith, these are all people. That he deep faked into and kind of wrapped from a perspective of, you know, I was trying to do something important. I was trying to say something, have a message, have a meaning. But something else happened around that that kind of overshadowed what was going on. That's what all of those different facial um, deep fakes was supposed to represent that. Those black men were trying to convey something and it got overshadowed by a misstep that they may have made or, you know, just life doing what life does. So I just thought that was dope. I was glad to see Blast on Die Hard because Blast is quickly emerging into one of my favorites as far as R&B is concerned. I love his voice. I like the things that he does with his music that kind of gives these dope nods to the R&B music of the 90s and the 2000s that raised us all. Like, I really like Blast. It was cool hearing him on this record. And Die Hard is one of those, like, I know I'm fucking up. I hope I'm not too late to, uh, you know, make right on my negative transgressions. Like, it's one of those, baby, please don't leave just yet. I really hope you can see the good person in me because I'm trying. I'm working on stuff. <laughs> um, Father Tom dope record as well I really like the whole tie in with Father Tom being that (laughs) he mentioned Kanye and Drake and how him seeing Kanye and Drake kind of mend fences and come together to do that concert that they did for Free Larry Hoover or whatever Um, it threw him off and it made him go back and reflect like maybe I'm not as mature as I thought I was and I still have some growth and some learning to do because I can't be cordial like these niggas. They was talking all that shit about one another. This records back and forth. Allegations about sleeping with wives and all kind of things. Like Kendrick, <laughs> it was very clear. I saw Kanye and Drake get back together. Then I realized I still got some work to do as far as my growth is concerned. <laughs> I fuck with stuff like that. Like overall, the project is just really good. Like standout tracks, Obviously, we cry together featuring uh, Taylor Page. I did not expect to see Taylor Page on this project at all. I know her as an actress. She is an actress. She's been in plenty of things from hit the floor to (laughs) a live action movie of Zola, that whole series of tweets. Uh, stories that came from Twitter where the girl was like oh I met this white girl and we went to Tampa and started trapping and shit (laughs) like Taylor Page is an actress but to hear her on this record with Kendra Lamar that shit was really dope I really um, hope that people caught the message in that particular song they was having the same typical you know toxic relationship argument or whatever but in the argument they spoke on some real shit and i guess they came to a little understanding or whatever because they started at fuck you bitch and then they ended up fucking (laughs) i guess that's every toxic relationship you start out arguing and end with makeup sex (laughs) but um Closing out what Summer saying? stop tap dancing around the conversation. That was the perfect way to like sum all of that up. Like say what you mean and mean what you say. Get to the fucking point. Don't be in these arguments which is significant other just beating around the bush. It's very beneficial of you guys to just be honest with one another and say what you mean, mean what you say. And... That particular sentiment that I have (laughs) was pretty much validated for me with uh, the next track after We Cry Together, which is Purple Hearts, Kendrick Lamar, Summer Walker, Ghostface, Killer, the overarching uh, theme (laughs) in that song or the hook. Shut the fuck up when you hear love talking. I agree when you can hear the love in somebody's voice and what they're trying to say to you and what they're trying to explain to you. Just shut up and listen and receive before you respond. A lot of times we get in these arguments like we saw, and you know, we cry together. And it's a lot of I'm just waiting on my chance to respond, not necessarily listening to what's being said, internalizing the message and trying to respond from a place of I hear you. This is how that makes me feel. This is what I think you're trying to say. Are you trying to say that? Cool. Or if not. Well, tell me again. Let me try to, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no real, like, trying when it comes to arguments and relationships or whatever the case might be. Purple Hearts, shut the fuck up when you hear love talking. I feel like that's a beautiful message. (laughs) Um, Another standout track, Auntie Diaries, of course. Kendrick went on his uh, journey of uh, discovering that his... Cousin and aunt are both transgender, and um, his said his cousin actually took it a step further and got the gender reassignment surgery. That was a big thing, just because this is all happening to Kendrick, based on what he said in the song, at a time when he was like in middle school and they were still using, you know, homophobic slurs back and forth, not really understanding what they meant, and. It came a point where Kendrick had to stand up in church and tell the preacher, you talking about my family, whatever. I don't fuck with that. You supposed to be preaching, you know, love and solidarity based on what the Bible says. We shouldn't be, you know, what I'm saying treating these people any kind of way just because their identity and what they feel about themselves don't align with what you think people are supposed to feel and identify with like. We're supposed to be humans and loving people towards one another Despite what they got going on in their personal life the Church don't necessarily do that That's why I said earlier There was a lot of calling out of religion And Kendrick even said in this song Auntie Diaries that he had to choose humanity over religion When confronted with the fact that Two people that he loved His cousin and his aunt are trans people And everything that he was being taught in church labeled that as an abomination and the reason the world is fucked up today and all that bullshit that religion likes to spit and attempt to control people. So I'm really, uh, fuck with it. Of course, a lot of backlash on social media. I saw a lot of conversation happening where trans people were championing Kendrick and very supportive of the song and happy that, A rapper of his caliber made such a in touch song like that. then I saw a lot of people just hung up over the fact that he used the racial slurs in the lyrics of the song, which I can understand because like Kendrick said in the song, he was saying the F word, you know, the gay slur. And he didn't know any better because he he was young and in middle school and just regurgitating things that he was passed down or that was passed down to him from his uh, older family members and stuff. So I get that aspect of it. But on the flip side, we're in 2022. So I would have expected Kendrick to maybe rephrase that gay slur in a way that's a little bit more creative but we know exactly what you're trying to say and the message you're trying to convey but then this is me coming from a place of just respecting people and understanding that we live in a different world he can't just be dropping all them F-bombs like that on music no matter what the artistic direction or style of the music is supposed to represent either way I listen to the track from top to bottom sat with it analyzed what was going on and i really like the analogy that was made at the end by kendrick's trans cousin which he said in the lyrics or whatever that his cousin basically was like we can all say the gay slurs together if you want to but that also have to open the doors for the conversation of white people being able to say nigga and he brought up the Footage, the actual moment in time where we saw Kendrick was performing at some venue. This was a couple years ago. Kendrick was performing at some venue. He brought a fan on stage to rap the song with him or whatever. The fan was a white girl. When We got to the parts of the song where nigga is used. He quickly stopped the music and told her she couldn't say that. And, you know, it was a whole thing on Instagram and Twitter and shit where people was reacting and like, yes, Kendrick, you better make sure she don't say nigga. You <laughs> don't give a damn. If it's a rap concert, but that same topic became a conversation between Kendrick and his trans cousin. And she was like, if you want to be able to use the gay slurs or whatever, you feel like it shouldn't be an issue and you're not trying to offend and no shit like that. Then, rethink your stance on white people not being able to say nigga because they're in the same ballpark whether you want to admit that or not or acknowledge it or not or whether you agree with it or not like they all come from words being repurposed by the community that it was meant to hurt so same ballpark <laughs> um, but overall I'm really 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 proud of this album I'm fucking with it <laughs> I really enjoy listening to it Um, I know I mentioned Father Time already, but that particular song for me. Well, let me just run down my, you know, like standout records on this track in 95 Father Time. Not just because he mentioned the whole Kanye and Drake situation, but because that was a love letter to black men to deal with their father issues. Deal with your daddy issues. He says that in the song he got daddy issues. That is how this shit was affecting him. He want other black men to deal with their daddy issues as well, because that shit is important. He even called for black men to stop treating black women terribly until they figure out what the fuck it is that's wrong with them that caused them to treat black women the way they do in the first place. Like really, really powerful song. He found a way to swat that bit over a cool beat and give us some moments where we really enjoy the record. So, um, father time, definitely, um, I love Rich Spirit. That whole rich nigga, broke nigga, trying to keep the balance. I'ma stay strong, and he be like, "Stop playing with me before I turn you to a song." <laughs> like I really fuck with that. Stop playing with me before I turn you to a song. <laughs> like, I, hey, bitch, I'm attractive. Like that whole song just got a, a vibe to it. Like a, just a nice, cool bop on some like West Coast shit. I really, really fuck with <laughs> Rich Spirit. Um, we Cry Together, you know It's not necessarily a song, it's more of a Conversational piece, but um, there's definitely a standout Because of the messaging behind that I like Purple Hearts because I was expecting to hear SZA Where Summer Walker was, but Summer Walker killed the track And I love the meaning behind the record And it just came together Really nice, I like hearing Kendrick and Summer Together, that was, that was a dope collab Also, Count Me Out Is dope, I like Count Me Out um, Silent Hill. I said on Twitter that was one of my early phase, and I'm still fucking with it. Like Silent Hill is a good ass fucking song. I fuck with Silent Hill. Pushing these niggas off me like hmm. Pushing these bitches off me like hmm. I'm like I fuck with Silent Hill. And Kodak slid his verse. I don't know how Kendrick got Kodak to sound so clear and concise throughout this entire album like even at his interludes Kodak was sounding like he hadn't done lean in several weeks to prepare for this and I really 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 like that whatever Kendrick did whether it be oh he just had a dope studio engineer that cleaned Kodak vocals up really really well so that we could actually understand and hear what the fuck he was saying or whether Kodak took the necessary health precautions to make sure that when he got in the studio with Kendrick he was sounding like somebody that deserved to be on this project and was worth listening to like I really really fucked with uh, Solid Hill that shit was fire and then Savior the interlude was dope because baby King was sliding the fuck out of that like he had his own interlude moment where it was kind of like poetry in motion I'm listening to it like this nigga spin some real shit <laughs> i fought fuck with Baby Key he's probably one of my favorite of like the newer generation of artists coming up but then the track that come right after that the savior song and Kendrick opened it up <laughs> Kendrick made you think about it but he is not your savior Cole made you feel empowered, but he is not your savior. <laughs> Future told you to get a money counter, but he is not your savior. <laughs> like, I really fuck with that whole message. LeBron made you give him his flowers, but he is not your savior. Like, yes, these people are great. They're amazing people to look up to. They're amazing people to receive, you know, advice from. Maybe maybe not future, but the money kind of thing. I I guess that was I guess that was some good advice for future. (laughs) Either way, I really, really fuck with him telling people, like, you got to save yourself, like getting caught up in these celebrities and what they do and how they make you feel. That ain't going to help you improve your situation that's not going to help you achieve your goals that's not going to help you get where you need to be you need to save yourself and stop looking to celebrities to do it for you but then the message in the song was really dope because baby keem he held down the chorus and he was like are you happy for me really are you happy for me smile in my face but are you happy for me bitch i'm out the way are you happy for me like i made it somewhere that i don't have to deal with the street shit i made it out <laughs> you know what i'm saying i made it out are you happy for me or are you just smiling in my face so i can give you some money like i really really fuck with the message behind that because i could apply to so much just in life in general like are you happy for me or are you just smiling in my face because it's beneficial to you and then on top of that i really fuck with the beat and um, everybody involved slid that track, especially Kendrick. The, the cat is out the bag. He is not your savior. <laughs> like I really, really fuck with savior. That's probably my favorite. Between savior and Silent Hill. I don't know which one is my favorite. Um Auntie Diaries is also a dope record, like I said, because of the message. Mr. Morale. It's probably another one of my favorites. I really like the beat. I like the approach Kendrick took at it as far as the messaging behind Mr. Morale, the record, the song, I should say, because it's another one where he's being like super introspective and just kind of telling us where he is And the things that he's been through and what things he's questioning about his life and his upbringing and the celebrity status that he has now and trying to be a good father and trying to be a good, you know, fiance slash husband to his uh, wife. Or I mean, fiance Whitney, like Mr. Morale was him having a morality check for himself, having a moral, a moral conversation with himself about. Where he is and how much he needs to heal. And continue to heal as a person. And I really fuck with that. And of course the beat was fire. It sounded like something that should have been on the Black Panther soundtrack. Or the Black Panther album that he did for the movie. But um, I love that album. So I was right at home when I heard this beat. I was like oh yeah this shit is fire. But overall. Amazing project. I was not let down. It was worth the five year wait in my opinion. I'm interested to see. What music videos continue to come from this project Like I said we got N95 already Um, The heart part 5 was just a warm up That song is not even on this project Which the heart songs are never on the project They always are like little pieces of content and music and visuals To like explain to you the direction Kendrick is going in in this era So I really fuck with that The production was solid on this album But it normally is Uh, My only hang-ups, right? And these are like very, very small. (laughs) They're very, very small. It's probably the features. We didn't get the usual suspects. You know what I'm saying? No AnaWise no uh zakari no sis i was sad about that (laughs) but i'm just probably sad because i really really miss this i want some new scissor music right motherfucking now (laughs) and i was expecting to hear her and kendrick together on this album because they sound really well but um summer was great blast baby king everybody else on the album who is not necessarily you know a big name or whatever but kendrick gave a shot too because he always does that kodak you know what I'm saying? He slid everything he did on this project. That shit was dope. Um, I just overall the project was fire. Like, I really, really, really enjoy this album. I'm gonna continue to listen to it to, you know, catch things that I may have missed. Um, I really like N ninety five, him being like <laughs> What the fuck is culture canceled, dog? I say what I want about you niggas. I'm like Oprah, dog, <laughs> because Oprah <laughs> do be saying and doing whatever she want when it comes to you niggas. And she does not care. You cannot cancel Oprah. <laughs> no matter how you feel about her. The own network is cemented not only within the culture, but just American entertainment in general. Her talk show is fucking legendary. Like Oprah is legendary fucking black female billionaire like she don't give a fuck about no cancer culture y'all ain't gonna cancel oprah no matter what y'all feel about how she move in these streets He not canceling oprah and i really like that kendrick likened himself to oprah in that way because he really do be saying whatever the fuck he want and not caring about no cancer culture and i feel like statements like that are you know him or was his way of prepping us for the topic he was about to tackle on Auntie Diaries <laughs> but Firesome man I suck that Kendrick got COVID because <laughs> <laughs> he was on his Dr. Sebi shit and then he's fucked around and got COVID and he said he started questioning goddamn Kyrie's decision to be an asshole about this whole getting vaccinated so you don't pass no shit along to the other NBA players on the court like Andrew was really going there. He was like, you know what? I done caught COVID. I'm in bed for two weeks hurting because I ain't get vaccinated and I don't want (laughs) to go to the hospital and deal with the COVID bullshit. Now I'm starting to question Kyrie. Like, nigga, why would you want anybody else to go through this? (laughs) I really fuck with that rich spirit. Stop playing with Before I Turn You To A Song. You know I fuck with that. Even the beginning of Father Time, where he was having like a little conversation with whatever the young lady was that he was going back and forth with. And she was like telling him, Oh, you need to go get therapy. He was like, Man, real niggas don't get therapy. And then she was like, Nigga, you sound stupid. And he was like, Nigga, everybody sounds stupid. (laughs) Like, I like little shit like that. That was dope. (laughs) But yeah, great project. It's dope hearing Kendrick's growth and it's dope hearing Kendrick acknowledge that he still has a lot of growing to do as a human being. I really hope this Auntie Diaries um song sparks some kind of conversation that can improve, you know, what's going on in the culture when it comes to our black LGBTQ brothers and sisters over there. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get us to acknowledge that just because they are part of the LGBTQ community does not mean they are not black. We really need to get to a place as a culture where we stop caring and worrying about and acting like it's crazy that people do what the fuck they want to do in a privacy of their own bedrooms with their genitals. Like, that's nobody's business other than the people whose business it is. (laughs) Like... We need to stop worrying about that. We got a whole section of the black community that's a part of the LGBTQ that feels alienated because all of this bullshit from religion to just dumb shit passed down from generation to generation is pitting us against each other. And it shouldn't be like that. I hope Auntie Diaries sparks a bigger conversation outside of the backlash because Kendrick chose to use these slurs for whatever reason. Other than that, though, um, like I said, Fire project, I'm satisfied with it. Don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, let's go ahead and end the playlist and slide over to the watch list. Show me you real, show me that you bleed. Aye, hello, crackers. I seen niggas argue like in bow, who's blacker, even blacked out screens and card solidarity, meditating in silence, makes you wanna tell me. Bitch, are you happy for me? Millie. Are you happy for me? Smile on my face, but are you happy for me? Yeah, I'm up the way. Are you happy for me? Starting with Atlanta. I told you <laughs> we was gonna get back to Kevin Samuel's guest starring in Atlanta. Here we are. This episode of Atlanta was uh another like one-off kind of you know single story. That does not have anything to do with the main story happening with, you know, Earn and Paperboy and Van and Darius out in Europe. So this particular one was about this uh, racially ambiguous kid who has been living as a white boy this entire time in Atlanta, <laughs> but it is when he realizes that Even though he's living as white, he's still black because his parents do not have the money to send him to college. And they don't even have the wherewithal to apply for FAFSA loans and all kind of shit like that. So he's feeling left behind, you know, his white girlfriend and their white band of friends. They're all going off to the same school and he is just hanging in the balance trying to figure out if he's even going to be able to go to college because his parents are not taking the initiative necessary to secure funding for his you know, collegiate future. And <laughs> it is when Kevin Samuel steps on the scene as like this uh, beneficiary to the school that they're going into and tells all the high school kids that everybody in the high school audience who is graduating and is black is going to receive money for school. This is when he's like, oh, you know what? I am black. His father is clearly black. I didn't even realize the boy was black until his dad came on the screen. But I guess that's a testament to the acting in that motherfucking black and white filter that they put over the uh, <laughs> the episode. But, you know, being that he is technically black, he goes to you know try to apply for his uh (laughs) for his money so he can go to school with his white girlfriend or whatever and of course the committee comprised of kevin samuels and the legendary george wallace um i can't think of the other black dude that was on that panel with them but they was like you know, answer these, um, <laughs> answer these Negro questions of the culture. And if you can get them right, then we'll know you're black and we'll gladly sign a check to get you that money to go to school. <laughs> and, um, you know, in the montage that they showed of him answering, you know, just answer it's not necessarily hearing the questions, but just giving answers. I thought he was killing that shit. He was saying all kind of shit like Crisco and retro dunks, like he was <laughs> he was saying black culture answers. But at the end of the montage, they was like, "You failed, nigga. You <laughs> you got everything wrong." And that was funny to me. <laughs> he was big mad, but I don't know. I just found it funny because you know he was parading around school as a white boy. He had no black friends. He was using nigga with the hard er. You know, in order to hurt his friends, feeling that thing, he was raging in the little game chat, he was getting his ass whooped. His black fans was roasting him, so he come out with the ER. I was like, wait a minute. And I had to raise an eyebrow because, like I said, with that black and white filter over the episode, I was like, this white boy on TV saying the hard ER? Wait a minute. <laughs> but black. <laughs> so it is what it is. But, um, Overall, you know what I'm saying? He learned a lesson. His father was trying to tell him they're going to look at you like you're black in the eyes of the law. As soon as you get caught fucking up and they realize you're a nigga, you're going to get the nigga treatment. And he kind of did, even though they shot the dark skinned um, Nigerian boy just on site. They definitely still put the white boy in jail. Well, not the white boy, but they definitely still put the black boy who was pretending to be white in jail once they realize, you know what? You're actually a nigga, but you're very, very light skinned and you have your hair perm like a white boy. So we just going to arrest you, put you in the back of this car and take you in peacefully. How about that? <laughs> At the end of the day, though, fire episode, i ain't going to tell you what happened in the end. Um, just go ahead and watch it because it's very telling. Colors changed really fast once he got into some black situations, which, you know, if you're black and you come to your blackness late, it is what it is. As long as you get here, it's just, (laughs) they made a fuck boy out of him, didn't they? (laughs) But yeah, that's Atlanta, man. I really, really enjoy Atlanta. Atlanta's a really, really top notch comedy. It's really smart, really innovative. I love that they take a few episodes to fill us in what's going on with the main characters and what they're doing and pushing that storyline forward. But then on the flip side, they take little pauses in between the seasons to give us these one-off episodes that tell a story that is not about the main characters, but it is based in the city of Atlanta. And it is some real shit as you can hear based on what I just explained. But uh, yeah, that's Atlanta. Atlanta. RIP to Kevin Samuels. It's crazy that he literally passed away right before his episode premiered on um, TV. Like, literally the episode came out last Friday. Kevin Samuels had passed earlier in that week, which was crazy because nobody knew that um, Donald Glover had gotten Kevin Samuels to be on Atlanta. So, it was bittersweet seeing him. I'll say that. Like I said earlier, not a devout kevin samuels like fan or follower but you know what i'm saying i can acknowledge a life lost as a loss so shout out to uh atlanta r.i.p kevin samuels let's move on to dr strange in the multiverse of madness <laughs> really enjoyed the movie <laughs> i really did I'm going to start this uh, little review of mine by saying if you're interested in seeing Doctor Strange or if you haven't seen Doctor Strange yet in 3D, you need to. If you're interested in seeing Doctor Strange, see it in 3D. If you haven't seen it in 3D, go back to the movie theater and watch it in 3D because you're missing out. The chaos magic hit different in 3D. Wanda's magic hits different in 3D. The motherfucking, um, I guess, multiverse portal magic that <laughs> that America Chavez uses in the uh, film it hits different in 3D. You gotta see it in 3D. Like, beautiful film. That shit looked fucking amazing. Um, I really enjoyed Sam Raimi's like horror touches that he put in in the movie. It's not a horror movie, I don't think. If you are faint of hearts, you will have an issue watching this movie you shouldn't I don't think you will I think you'll jump <laughs> you'll definitely jump because there's some jump scenes in the movie there's some callbacks to classic horror films of running down dark alleyways being chased by the menacing bad guy like there's definitely horror elements you know sprinkled all throughout this movie Sam Raimi once again I just uh want to make sure I clarify it is not a horror movie because I've seen that debate happening online. Everybody was like, can kids watch this? Is it a horror film? Like, no. (laughs) Horror moments, a lot of horror tropes sprinkled in. But at the core, it's still a superhero movie. It's still Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I like that even though Wanda was positioned as the villain in this particular movie, she had more of an anti-hero kind of vibe to her, just out for self and not really caring who she got to go through in order to get it. Makes sense. The dark hole was doing a number on her brain and really pushing her to do some diabolical things. She just wanted to get to a universe Where she could enjoy being a mother and, you know, raise her two boys that were not real, but admittedly i kind of understand her point of view like no they're not real in her dimension but in other universes they are real she has to prove that the wandas across the multiverse have kids and she just got to find one multiverse where she could sneak in replace the wanda that was there and be a mom to those kids (laughs) like i felt where she was coming from like yeah my kids in this universe might be fake but there's other universes where they real. And that's why I want to be at <laughs> like, what's wrong with that. I understand it. <laughs> the scene where Wanda attacks that, uh, sanctum or whatever that, you know, all of the, the monks and Dr. Strange and all the magic users was like, hold up, held up there, trying to protect America from being kidnapped by Wanda. Like, That scene was fucking amazing. Wanda's magic, man. I'm really glad that after all of this time, they finally got around to showing us just how strong the Scarlet Witch is, just how powerful she is, because ever since she came into the MCU, I've been low key, like kind of tight that they haven't been really showing us the true potential of the Scarlet Witch. It took them a minute, but they finally figured out a way to do it with uh, WandaVision. I don't know if anybody else is paying attention, but the best arc in Scarlet Witch's entire lore is the motherfucking House of M. And they found a very, very incredible and unique way to do that via WandaVision. And then they finished out the story a little bit closer to source material. Through the multiverse of madness, and I'm pretty sure we'll see Wanda again. I don't think Scarlet Witch is gone; she's too powerful. But <laughs> I really like that they had their own spin on the House of M storyline and really carried it out throughout WandaVision and you know her um, role in um, Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness. Something that I was not really like that kind of bothered me a little bit. Not not in a bad way. I was just like. What was the reason they made this big fuss in these other countries, like in the Middle Eastern side of the world about the character America Chavez being LGBTQ. She's lesbian and her Laura, whatever, like she likes girls or whatever. So all of those countries in the Middle East who are anti, you know, what I'm saying, LGBTQ and all that shit like that. They banned the movie there. But while I said kind of bothered me a little bit is because, I'm watching the movie from start to finish, barely blinked. You know what I'm saying? Has had some good THC running through my body. You know, took my B12 so I could stay awake and alert. And I'm like, they did not even mention the fact that this character is a gay character. Like, they literally just let the character exist on screen. And while I thought it was dope that that. It's the uh, route that they took Especially because this iteration of America Chavez Is literally a teenager I think she's 17 in the movie Um, I really don't Understand what all the uproar was about in these countries that banned the movie because they didn't even mention the fact that this girl likes girls there was no love interest for her nothing she was literally running <laughs> from the clutches of evil the entire movie didn't have an opportunity to look at another girl much less fall in love with one like what was the issue with that that shit pissed me off because I'm like bro. so many people in these countries so many nerds and blurs in these countries that banned the movie are gonna miss out or have to go through a illegal means to get the movie all because the country that they live in is so hateful towards the LGBTQ community that they banned it just off the strength of this character's lore in the comic books has LGBTQ written all over it and we don't want that Like, if they would have watched the movie it would have been a different story because there's no mention of that in the story they even didn't really do her justice as far as her Spanish heritage. Like there was literally 10 seconds (laughs) of Spanish dialogue and it was so random and it didn't necessarily make sense until later in the plot where she kind of used the Spanish to kind of validate Dr. Strange. And if that was the same one that had did a dirty in the beginning of the movie. So I was like, Oh, I don't necessarily get (laughs) what, (laughs) Why these things were issues And the direction that they took But I will say um, The actress that played um, America Chavez I cannot pronounce this name I'm not even going to try Because I don't want to disrespect Her last name is Gomez She did a good job I was initially a little apprehensive Because the America Chavez That I was used to Is a little bit more darker skin Not necessarily like dark skin like myself but you could definitely see the melanin on her you could definitely see that she's a brown girl Uh this Gomez actress not so much but it didn't really bother me once I got into the movie and started watching because she did a great job as uh America Chavez like I was like okay I see why they picked her she's the best actress for the job and you know she did her thing so that was dope I really, really fucked with that scene where Dr. Strange was fighting his evil self and they were using (laughs) music notes as magic or they transformed their magic into music notes and was literally fighting each other with songs. Like that shit was so fire, especially in 3D. And what I'm saying, y'all gotta see this shit in 3D because wow, it looks so fucking good, bro. That shit was dope. And then when they got knocked into America Chavez's like multiple portals or whatever. And they were going through all these different universes, how things were flipping and changing. And the 3d was hitting just right in certain areas. (laughs) Like I really, really enjoyed this movie to the point that I'm going to go see it again. (laughs) I really am because I like, like I said, 3d and all the effects and all that shit. I like Wanda criticizing, the hypocrisy of her connection to Doctor Strange how when Doctor Strange makes all of these life altering decisions they look at him as a hero but when she do it she's the bad guy like I like that she had the wherewithal to challenge that I really enjoy that this movie made me question if Doctor Strange is actually a villain because every instance (laughs) of somebody from a different universe meeting our Doctor Strange they was like Nah, you the real threat cuz our Dr. Strange here, he fucked us over. So we just going <laughs> we just going to keep an eye on you until you get back to where the fuck you supposed to be cuz our Dr. Strange ain't shit. <laughs> like I really really appreciated that cuz it made me think there was a lot of um dialogue in the movie that lent itself to People feeling like Doctor Strange always has to be the one holding the knife, quote unquote, which basically was them saying you always have to be the one that looks like the hero, even if it means you know what I'm saying something happens that probably could have could have been avoided and you not be the hero but somebody else be it. This was also evident in um, No Way Home when he was like, "We have to send these villains back." use the box, it's the only way. And Spider Man or the Spider man <laughs> Peter Parker's, <laughs> they found a way to cure all those villains and send them back to their respective universes in a way that did not leave them to be killed as soon as they arrived back into the spot where they was left or picked up from. So it's like I don't know, it just made me question like if in all of these other realms and you know multiverses or whatever Dr. Strange does questionable shit that makes people look at him as the bad guy. And if we see examples in our Dr. Strange that would lend to him being a little self-centered and always wanted to be the one to be in the spotlight or the center of attention as far as being a hero's concerned, it just kind of led me to be, believe or made me question, is Dr. Strange a villain? Like, is he a villain masquerading as a superhero and just doesn't realize it? But yeah. That is my take on the movie. Definitely go see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, like I said, 3D, you got to. The chaos magic looks amazing. Shit, even the magic of Doctor Strange and the rest of the uh like, I don't know if they call monks or the rest of the magic uses or whatever. Like all of this shit look great. Those uh, multiverse hopping scenes where America gets to use her power to like traverse universes and stuff like that. That shit looked amazing. Um, Though Doctor Strange using the Darkhold himself and using um, necrophilia magic or necromancy or whatever to... You know, level himself up so that he could at least compete with Wanda as far as <laughs> power is concerned. That shit looked dope. And that was also why I felt like, damn, yeah, maybe Doctor Strange is a villain because some other characters from another universe that had their own Doctor Strange, it was like, in our universe, the dark hole corrupted you and you went on this crazy power tirade and we had to put you down. Like, so for Doctor Strange to be in the position again knowing what dark hole has done to other versions of himself he was just so willing like, well, it's the only way I'm finna just go ahead and use it like, what? Nigga? <laughs> I don't know, I just have to question it. He made a lot of questionable decisions that will lead me to believe that at some point in the MCU we're gonna start to realize or at least question on a larger scale if Dr. Strange is actually a villain parading as a fucking superhero, because he was making some wild decisions. That dark hole thing. Once that happened, I was like, damn, he did jump on that shit quite quickly. It was no thought. It was no, I don't want to do this because I know to corrupt the power of the dark hole. It was like, nah, I just got to use it because one is too strong. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that. <laughs> and even though I really, uh, you know, appreciated it. Cause it looked beautiful. I had never seen necromancy or, um, necrophilia magic be used in the MCU. So that was a new, you know what I'm saying? Type of, um, 3d moment. I, had. <laughs> I don't know, man, fire movie. I really enjoyed it. Most likely going to go see it again. Um, everybody that made their cameos from professor X, which her or not her, but <laughs> Professor X and Wanda had a crazy like magic scene. That shit was dope as fuck. That mirror realm that um, Wanda got trapped in and figured out how to get out. Like that shit was dope as fuck. Like damn, this movie was good. I'm going to see it again. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the consensus. It was dope seeing uh John Krasinski, aka Jim from The Office, as <laughs> Mister Fantastic. He fit at first when he first came on the scene or first came on the screen. I was like, LOL, because <laughs> Jim is funny to me. I always laughed at Jim and his like super smart uh, comedic take on everything. But once they started letting him act a little bit and we got to see, you know, like Black Boat and motherfucking Captain Marvel, Monica Rambo or Monica Rambeau's mother. As Captain Marvel, I was like, you know, John did a good thing. He did a good job. (laughs) But yeah, that's it. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I feel like I'm telling you the movie now. Go out and see it. That's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness playing in a theater near you. (laughs) That's it for this episode of the Talk and Play Castle. Thank you so much for tuning in. How are we looking on time? A little lengthy, but I didn't go too crazy um, as far as anime corner is concerned the last episode of Spy Family that I got to watch is when they did the uh, entrance exam and um, we're waiting to see if the little girl is going to get into the school so that the uh, Spy Family can continue their mission and I got put on to a new anime I can't think of it at this moment in time but more on that next episode of the Talk and Play blurry cast. Don't be afraid. Hit me up. B-R-I-A-N-S-A-P-P-H on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok if you care for that. Um, Tell me how you felt about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Did you enjoy the movie? How did you feel about Mr. Morale and that Big Stepper? Did you enjoy the Kendrick album? Like, talk to me about these things. Everything I covered, if you have an opinion, if you have a take on it, My DMs are open. My comment sections are open. Let's talk.